recognizing him from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. This happened um, at a metro station in Washington, D.C. in 2007 during a winter morning. A man with a violin played six complicated Bach pieces for about an hour. During that time, approximately 2,000 people went through the station, most of them on their way to work. After about three minutes, a middle-aged man noticed the musician playing, stopped for a few seconds and then hurried off to meet his schedule. Four minutes later, a woman threw money in the hatch but continued walking to the train. Four minutes later, a a woman threw some money into the hat. A child was with her. The child wanted to stop and listen a little bit more, but the, the mother tugged the child and continued to walk. The child continued to look as his mother dragged him. This action was repeated by several other children, but every parent, without exception, forced their children to move on quickly. At 45 minutes, the musician continued playing. In that time, only six people stopped and listened for a short time. The man collected a total of $32 after playing for one hour. Almost no one knew who he was except for one lady who recognised him. He was Joshua Bell, one of the great musicians of our time. He played one of the most intricate pieces ever written with a violin that at the time was worth about three and a half million, now it's worth about ten million dollars. Two days before that, Joshua Bell sold out a theatre in Boston where the seats average 17 years ago averaged $100 each to listen to him play the same music, the same pieces. This social experiment was organised by the Washington Post, the newspaper, to gauge perception, taste and people's priorities. After a survey, many excuses were given as to why people failed to recognise him. Some, some people, they just didn't, they're not into classical music and not appreciated it. They said that. Others said the location was wrong. Others said the lack of media exposure, etc. You can actually watch the clip on YouTube. Now, the passage that we read this morning tells us a story that started to unfold on earth about 2,000 years ago. And he tells us that when Jesus first came to the world, the world did not recognise him. The statement is more than his appearance as a baby because it continued through his adult life and even up to his death. So we ask ourselves then, why didn't the people recognise him? First of all, where he was born. He was born in a stable in a little town called Bethlehem, 
in a little insignificant country which at the time was occupied by the Roman Empire. It's been in the news ever since and certainly now with the conflict that's going on. Caesar, the Emperor Caesar, he ruled in Rome, the capital of the empire, but Jesus was not born in Rome. The high priest ruled in Jerusalem, but Jesus was not born in the palace in Jerusalem. Everyone was occupied in their own little world. History did not stop when Jesus was born. It just kept going and very few noticed that something extraordinarily wonderful was happening in a simple manger. Why didn't people recognise him? Maybe it had to do with to whom he was born. He was born to a, a poor couple who lived in a place called Nazareth, about 150 kilometres north of Jerusalem. His earthly father was a carpenter and she was just, Mary was just your normal girl, now, now married and hoping to start a family soon. Jesus' ancestry came from royalty. He came from a royal lineage, the line of David. That's about as royal as you get. But so were many other thousands of people who were born around that, who lived around that time. And Jesus certainly grew up to loving and caring parents. But even so, even so, no other child in the family, and he had brothers and sisters, that no other child in the family or relatives compared to him. What wasn't he recognised? Maybe it had to do with when he was born. The timing when God decided to send his son at that particular time in history, the timing of Christ's incarnation was such that the people of that time were already prepared for something special to happen. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul said, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. It's a, it's a very important expression, the fullness of time, when the time was right, perfect. God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under law. And the people were primed. The prophets had been already announcing the coming of the Messiah for hundreds of years before. And after a 400 year silence between Malachi and Matthew, they were well and truly prepared, expectant. The Romans, they ruled militarily from what is today Turkey from Turkey all the way to Britain. People could travel within the unified empire. And while the Greeks were no longer in power, they still ruled culturally. There was one common language in the whole of the empire and it was the Greek language. Despite all this, few people expected it to happen the way it did. It took an angelic choir 
to give the news to some humble shepherds out in the fields and he took a strange star to bring some, to notify some wise men living hundreds and hundreds of miles away that something special was about to happen. But some people think, well, maybe with multimedia and global exposure, if, if he was born today, it would have been a lot easier for people to recognise who Jesus was. Because of the times when he was born, news used to travel a lot slower. There were no headlines in the newspaper the morning after Jesus was born. You know, the headlines in the newspaper say something like, God becomes man. Very few people witness the miracle of the incarnation of God the Son on that night. And most of the world would probably not have been too interested anyway. We don't even know precisely what year, month or day he was born. The world, for the most part, ignored the greatest miracle that had ever happened up to that time and therefore missed that first Christmas. Truth is that if Jesus was born today, the world will still struggle to recognise him like that violinist in the subway. Today, it's not for lack of information. There is information everywhere. What we do lack is wisdom to discern what is true from false, what is right from wrong. Maybe he was... He wasn't recognised because of what he said. Jesus played his recital for 33 years, but only a tenth of that time, three, three and a half years, was lived in the public spotlight. Before that, he worked as a carpenter, dad's shop. It is when he started to teach at about the age of 30 that that the battle really intensified because that is why he came. He challenged people to live for God for real. Stop pretending. Live for God for real. To stop playing the religious games and, and, and focus on what is truly meaningful and important. 2,000 years have passed and people continue to ask, what did he mean by no one comes to the Father except through me? How narrow-minded is that? What did he mean when he said to, to be his disciple, I must deny myself, carry the cross and follow him? I've worked hard for everything I have. Nobody gave anything to me. And I will control my own destiny, thank you very much. What did he mean when he said that I need to turn from sin? Who determines what is wrong or right anyway? I'm a good person and I haven't hurt anyone and I certainly don't need a saviour to save me from anything. 
Maybe people didn't recognize him because they struggled to accept who he was. His disciple John that wrote the gospel that bears his name in his first chapter tells us who Jesus really was. And he, and he said, we have, in verse 14, we're going to jump from one verse to the other here. In verse 14 he says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. And, and, and these declarations will then be further discussed in the, in the rest of the, the wonderful Gospel of John. And, and looking at these verses, just our, on our Bible reading, we're going to look at them from back to front. What did Jesus say? He said he was light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was the light of the world that stepped into darkness to enable us to see. The problem is people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil, John will say in chapter 3. Why would, what possible reason could people have to love darkness? Well, if you're up to no good, you prefer the cover of darkness. So you can get away with it. And, and darkness comes in all different ways. Physical darkness, moral darkness. It's until somebody shines the torch on what you're doing that you're sort of saying, hang on, I've got to stop what I'm doing. But we don't like that. They say that some people change their ways when they see the light, others only when they feel the heat. What else did he say? He said he was life. In verse 4 it says, in him was life. He was the abundant life personified. As you read the Gospels, you get this feeling that wherever Jesus went, there was excitement, the, the, the grass seemed greener, the sky bluer, demons, sickness, death, all fled from his presence. Men, women, children followed him because he revived their hopes and dreams about what life could be like if we lived it to the fullest under God's grace. What else did he say? He said he was creator. Through him all things were made, verse 3. Through him all things were made. All of life reacted and responded because he was the creator the very giver of life itself. From the intricate cell, the microscopic cell, the, the billions and trillions of cells that we have and all of nature is composed of, 
living cells, to the most distant galaxy, all created in and through him and by him. So it wasn't too much, therefore, when he came, it wasn't too much for him to walk on water, to get up when he was in a, in a boat and rebuke the storm and to make the blind to see, to give us a glimpse of who he was. All of nature, in fact, recognised and obeyed their master because he was the one that called them into being in the first place. He was God, John tells us. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Even before anything physical came into existence, seen and unseen, and, and even before every, anything came into existence, he was already there, it was what John is telling us. So this one, along with Creator, I suppose, are, are the hardest things for the world to accept. Seeing God containing himself in a crib, in a manger, all of that glory subdued for a moment so that we could see him, we could touch him. God, the Son, containing himself in human skin, a wonder of a miracle. And this is an act of divine grace. We read all of this, of course, in the Bible. And you need to read the Bible to, to understand what it says. I, I want to encourage you to start with the Gospels. J.I. Packer said that without God's explanatory word, God's redemptive action could not be recognised for what it was. The clearest revelation of God, the incarnation, is nevertheless the most opaque, opaque to man, he said. The end result and the sad answer to all of these declarations and questions is that the world did not recognise him. And that, that's not if that was the worst that happened, that the world didn't recognise him, that would be bad enough in verse 10. But then it gets worse in verse 11 because it says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. It's moved from recognition to acceptance. Not only did they not recognise him, they did not accept him. And the two obviously are linked together. Now, it's common for, for people to, to feel sorry. You know, you feel sorry for people when they are not received or accepted by their own. Um, sometimes we get these Animal Planet uh, videos about animals, right? Pigs, dogs, and all of this. And, and in, in the litter, there's always a runt, right? The, the one, the little one, the, there's something wrong with it, you know? It's not accepted. And it's... You, you know, in the video and whatever you're watching, it draws your emotions. Oh, you poor little thing, you need help. 
And it tends to happen, I suppose, with people. If you've travelled around the world, you, you travel around the world and, and you, you want to meet family and friends. Yeah, 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 we'll be at the airport, we'll pick you up, whatever, and you turn up and no one's there. Nobody's come to turn you up. I said, well, what am I supposed to do now? What a bit of an empty climax. But, but I don't think, as you read the Gospel of John, I don't think John is, is feeling sorry for Jesus. He's actually feeling sorry for those who missed out. The Father, the good Father, delivering his most precious jewel in all of creation and delivering his present in swaddling clothes. The perfect Christmas gift that only a few received and accepted. And they not only need to reiterate, not only did they miss his, his birth, the arrival of his birth, but also his life, his death, res- resurrection. So in the end, the problem wasn't who he was, how he came, where he was born, when he was born. The problem was with us. The many dis- the distractions, the, the false expectations that we had the demands of God, more, you know, this picture of God, more like a Santa Claus that, or like a genie. You rub the bottle and grants your wish. He didn't come as an app on your phone or an entry on your busy calendar, you know. December 25th, God. Easter Friday, Good Friday, God. And the rest of the year will... Just like these folks, you might miss not just Christmas, but life as well. You've got a full schedule, a full mind, a full heart and a full life, full of anxieties and worries. What's happening with the economy? What's the government doing? And all of that. Jesus had a lot to say about all these things. Sometimes we are like the people back in those times, indifferent to the most important news of all. This is where we need to wisdom to decipher what, what is important. Yeah, 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 Jesus came to earth, God in the flesh. I've heard the story a hundred thousand times. Yeah, I know, he died on the cross for our sins and I'm supposed to accept him as my saviour. And there are people who will admit to these truths, but they just don't want to bother to do anything about it. Can I at least plead with you this morning as a lead up to Christmas that you investigate the story deeper for yourself. Have a read of it. Get a Bible. Get an, It's everywhere on your smartphone. Just read the story for yourself. Make up your own mind about who Jesus really was. Two women were having lunch in an elegant hotel and they were approached by a mutual friend who asked the, the occasion for the meal. And one lady replied, We are celebrating the birth of my baby boy. 
But where is he? inquired the, the other person. Oh, said the mother, you, you didn't think that I would possibly bring him, did you? I think that's a picture of the way that the world treats Jesus, not only at Christmas, I think, but the rest of the year as well. And lastly, believing the promise. Believing the promise. You can continue, of course, to ignore him altogether, or you can do as some other people in the story did and receive Jesus into their heart. This is a promise worth believing. And this is what John says in verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's that's one of the most beautiful verses in the scriptures. To all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This promise sounds amazingly simple, doesn't it? Simple, yes. Simplistic, no. A verse short and simple enough for a child to accept, yet so profound it's keeping theologians occupied for decades. That's what we call amazing, extraordinary, incomparable grace. That is the amazing grace that we sing about, that we live by, that we are sustained by. And it's going to lead us, this journey from earth to heaven to eternity with him. From the cradle to the cross to the empty tomb and to the day when he comes back again. So Jesus didn't just come so you can come and listen and admire his his talent there as he's playing his violin. He didn't just come and share his wisdom, the Sermon on the Mount, his teachings and admire his love and and, and show some appreciation at the changes and the benefits we've, we've enjoyed as a civilization because of Christianity. And it certainly didn't come so just occasionally you can drop a few coins into his violin case. He didn't come so you can celebrate his birthday every year. He didn't come just as your saviour but also as your Lord. May you not only, may we not only just recognise him but also receive him and believe him. Believe in his name, the name that is above all names, of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Please stand and join us for our final song.
家。